the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When does the E. Jean Carroll statue go up? And by the way, what's with the E? Hey, they, they built statues for a criminal drug addict who uh, tried to pass a counterfeit 20. Why not uh, one for uh, E. Jean? Boy, have the media been slobbering all over her lately. She was on Rachel Maddow's show, show um, telling Rachel that they were going to go shopping together and uh, they would spend some of the $83 million Donald Trump owes her. Oh, they were laughing, having a good time. She might not, uh, She, I, I should say she might want to uh, put the stuff on layaway because it's going to be a while before she sees a dime of the money. And the case is so full of holes, it's hard to believe it won't be overturned. But Rachel was making a good case here for a statue for E. Jean. So much of the calculus in our country right now, so much of the calculus, frankly, in the world right now, so much of the calculus about how to contend with Trump is, oh, how mad is he going to be? How crazy will his supporters go? In historian Tim Snyder's seminal book on tyranny, this anticipation of the backlash, this worry about how upset Trump and his supporters might get, this, this is a phenomenon that Snyder describes as obeying in advance, as in do not obey in advance. Do not give the tyrant or the would-be tyrant what they want because you fear what they might do otherwise. Put more bluntly, the message is, to Snyder's lights, the lesson from the 20th century is, stand up, say no, have guts. Be the one. How many of us would have the guts of E. Jean Carroll at age 80 to do what she did? To call his question, to test it, to make us decide it as a country, to render this would-be strongman just a man. Oh, boy. Yeah, Rachel loves people who stand up and say no. You know, like the people who stood up and said no to the vaccine that she told them would prevent them from getting or spreading COVID. Remember that? Then there's Riley Gaines, uh, who stands up every day to uh, talk about men competing against women in sports and how dumb that is. I don't know if Rachel thinks she's all that uh, great for standing up. Talk about a total lack of introspection. I mean, has she ever mentioned Tara Reid, for example, who stood up to the creeps in her own party and said Joe Biden sexually assaulted her? And in our second half hour today, by the way, I thought we should hear from Tara Reid, since she's been forgotten by Rachel and her friends. I'm going to replay the interview I did with her on this show a few years ago, just to remind people that uh, she was out there and nobody cared. And when we come back, we're going to have our media critic, Jeff McCall, here to talk about the media slobbering over E. Jean and the uh, Taylor Swift phenomenon and other stuff. Stick around. On the open of the show, we played a clip of uh, Rachel Maddow talking about E. Jean Carroll as though she's Rosa Parks or maybe Joan of Arc uh, for the way she stood up to Donald Trump and how she had the guts to probably falsely, by the way, accuse him of rape. 
And it happened all over the media with, with the slobbering. Uh, when E. Jean was awarded $83 million, the slobbering, the celebrating. Uh, Jeffrey McCall is professor of communications at DePaul University, a media critic for The Hill, and a regular guest on this radio show. He joins us now. Jeff, good to have you back, as usual. Thank you very much. So um, there's no way anybody could be surprised, Jeff, by the uh, the media's reaction to her winning. So I guess it's just a question of degrees uh, that they celebrated and slobbered. Did they go over the top? Well, yeah, I think so. And I mean, I must say, there are a lot of confusing aspects to this whole case. But I think anybody with a straight face would know that if Donald Trump weren't somehow associated with it, that this probably wouldn't have happened in the first place, probably wouldn't have had the result that it did in the legal proceeding, and wouldn't have had the media coverage it's had for sure. <clears throat> and so I just think this is one of those things where the media is just so excited to jump on anything anti-Trump. And, you know, and again, I, I you know, this is one of those stories where n- nobody can really know what happened all those years ago. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things, you know, for the judicial system is how do you how do you address this kind of a case um, when, when it's so many years later uh, and it's so hard to sort out the facts? Uh, but nonetheless, that has nothing to do with the media coverage, because the media coverage, you know, provided no scrutiny, no scrutiny at all, really, of whether this was a legitimate case, whether the jury was biased, whether the eighty three million dollars is in line with what you would expect from this kind of a, a legal settlement. And so, uh, yeah, the media went over the top. It's kind of typical. We know that's going to happen. Uh, I, I know Trump's lawyers are not done trying to fight this, and there'll be some sort of appeal process. And, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes, because it's possible you could get the appeal in front of a judge who's not uh, an anti-Trumper or a jury that's not an anti-Trumper uh, or uh, an accuser who's an anti-Trumper. And, you know, it might be that you get a different kind of sense in the appeal when that time comes out. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where hack journalism runs rampant. Uh, and it's it, it took a lot of time in the news agenda, you know, covering Trump's trial with Carol. And the reality is there are so many other things that need to be covered in the news that I'm surprised this got the attention it did except for the fact that it's easy to anticipate that PAC media people are going to become PACs. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you mentioned that there's, it's so hard to, to really uh, make a determination about who's telling the truth and who's guilty and who's not in a case like this. Of course, in a criminal case, there's that little uh, pesky beyond a reasonable doubt concept, uh, which doesn't exist in a civil trial, but that doesn't mean that the media can't have a reasonable doubt in a civil case, which I don't think they ever expressed. They threw out all those normal levels of protections uh, for all sides in a, in a case like this. And not to mention, you talked about, um, you know, all reasonable doubt. I mean, also keep in mind in a criminal case, there would have been a statute of limitations, which oh, would yeah. have surely well, run they out changed by the now. Law. They changed the law in New York, and I don't know how much yeah. attention that got from the media either. And, and, and think about that for a second, that we're changing the law for, you know, to go after one particular person mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in, a, in a lawsuit. Uh, and the other thing that I think is interesting is the, the defamatory behavior of Trump in dismissing his accuser uh, supposedly cost her a job. Um, 
And the the employers, of course, said, no, this did not have a factor in costing E. Jean Carroll her job at all. But, you know, the judge, the jury, they don't care about any of that. No, and you think that the media uh, – see, here's the thing, Jeff. I, I actually don't spend a lot of time uh, watching – the uh, the non-conservative media because I just I just can't stomach it I, I try I really do uh, for purposes of this show and just because I want to see what you know what they're saying but I, it's every time I watch my reaction is well they're saying exactly what I thought they'd be saying I'm not learning anything here but well uh, you know you're you're exactly right it's easy to anticipate yeah and I must say um, I, I force myself on occasion, to watch MSNBC for a while or CNN. And you say the non-conservative media. I always refer to that as the establishment media. Mm -hmm. Basically, anything other than Fox, New York Post, uh, maybe Newsmax, uh, conservative talk radio, perhaps. But all of the establishment media are kind of in that category. And the thing is that disturbs me is you watch CNN or MSNBC for a couple of hours, and it's easy to understand why the nation is so polarized. Because the people who watch those programs have a totally different worldview than people who do what I call lateral reading, um, with, who get their news from a multiple you know, range of sources. Because if you're looking at news from a wide range of sources, including some that are more, more fair and in the middle, uh, you're going to get a whole different view than if you – watch just CNN for the day or just MSNBC for the day. If you watch just MSNBC for the day, you would think Biden, the Biden administration's got everything under control, that the economy is great, that they, uh, they're managing international affairs just right. Uh, and you would have a totally you know, warped view of reality. And I think that's the saddest thing about the journalism industry now is I've always felt kind of in my mind that the journalism industry is supposed to give us some sort of view of what is happening in the world, hopefully as fact-based and real as possible. But if you watch MSNBC for the day or CNN for the day or even read the New York Times for the day, you're getting a warped sense of what's going on in the world. And that, that's just not good because, I mean, the whole First Amendment was created with the idea that eventually truth would prevail and people would have a chance to understand reality and when we've got or news organizations uh, that are basically propaganda arms, it's no wonder that people don't understand the reality of the world and get misconceptions. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I think you're old enough to remember. I know I am. I'll speak for myself. Um, I, I was aware of watching the news before cable TV came along. And, oh, sure. Yeah, and there – and. Haven't we? It's it's been a long time now. It's not like it's anything new, but having all news, twenty uh, four hour news channels on, and multiple uh, examples of them uh, has changed everything. What I mean, I, I try to imagine if it was just ABC, NBC, and CBS. You know, Walter Cronkite um, and uh, uh, whoever was on ABC and NBC at the time. If that was, if that's all there were, were those three newscasts, what kind of coverage would this story have gotten? You know, how, how much, how much cover it would have been, it would have been covered, but would would it have been at the end of the newscast? Where would it be? Uh, it, it would have been abbreviated for sure. Right. Okay. And and I think there would have been more scrutiny to it, mm -hmm. and I think there would would have been some sense of 
how important is this to the broader agenda? And, you know, interestingly, and I am old enough to remember when you just had big three networks on late evening. Yeah. The one thing is when they only had a half an hour a day, they had to make real serious decisions as to what took up their time. Right. And they didn't have time for frivolous things and going off the deep end, you know, and chasing mirages and stuff like that. And I think there was more of a sense that we've only got a half an hour. We've got to make sure that it is news of heft and substance, and it's got to be halfway there. And, you know, Walter Cronkite was in that group. You know, Chet Huntley was in that group. Uh, Frank Reynolds was the anchor at ABC for yep. a long time, who, who I had yep. tremendous respect for, because uh, I think Frank Reynolds was one of those guys who was committed to get things right. Mm-hmm. And and I don't sense now that we have that same kind of sense, because if they get a few things wrong, well, they're just going on to a bunch of other stuff over the next 24 hours anyway. So, yeah. I don't, I, you know, the professional standards have changed, as you suggested there, and not for the better. Coming up in my second half hour, I'm going to replay an interview I did with Tara Reid a few years ago. She had a much more credible accusation against Joe Biden. Um, Wouldn't good journalism require her name at least to be mentioned once in a while during this coverage with maybe a reference to the, you know, to the difference in how her accusations were received? Or how about this? How about a question for uh, E. Jean Carroll, if you're doing the interview? You ever heard of Tara Reid? What do you think of yeah. her? What do you think of her accusations? Do you believe her? I mean, that, that's a that's a spectacular question from an entertainment standpoint and from a just from an, an in, to make the show interesting. That would be my, one of my first questions for. Have you ever talked to Tara Reid? Well, yeah, and the thing is, you know, there there are a lot of uh, politicians who have seedy uh, backgrounds mm-hmm. for various reasons, uh, and and it always strikes me as weird when. We have limited memories for certain things. And, I mean, you might have seen the news in the last day or two that the, supposedly on the horizon is a big Democratic fundraiser that's going to bring together the sitting president, Joe Biden, with two former Democrat presidents, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. And I'm thinking, you know, I've seen news stories that are celebrating this. Oh, this will be the great mega fundraiser with all these Democratic presidents. I'm thinking... Uh, and it may not be the best idea to be parading Bill Clinton out in front of a fundraiser, <laughs> given his Jeffrey Epstein problems and right. whatnot. And I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about, you know, Trump being a perhaps sexual abuser and stuff. I'm thinking we, we have plenty of evidence that Bill Clinton is in that camp, too. And he's supposed to be heading up a fundraiser in the in the year 2024 for a presidential candidate. Um, that and, and if they're going to be taking after Trump, you know, and it's legitimate, and, and it is news at some point. We need to kind of cover all the different CD characters that are out there. Yeah, and here's the thing, Jeff. I worked in TV for a long time. I was a sports guy, but I I, I was pretty good when it came time to produce a show, um, whether it was sports or news, uh, with coming up with ideas that would try to, uh, where you would try to set your show apart, make it better than the other show. The other shows, you know, the, your competition in the market. Now, again, getting back to Tara Reid, I, I hope the, I, I don't want to beat this up, but as I sit here, I'm thinking, if I'm if if I'm running the news operation, and I see that this verdict is about to come down, and there's a pretty good chance that uh, E. Jean Carroll's going to win and get a lot of money, where is the producer? I don't care which network who says, "Get me Tara Reid." I want her on the show at the same time. We I do a split screen. 
get her on, and I want to ask her, here's the question. Tara, what goes through your mind when you see E. Jean Carroll having her story be believed and her getting $80 million and you get nada? Isn't that a pretty good, I don't know, angle, a pretty good question? I think that it'd certainly be worth pursuing. Now, and it's possible that Tara Reid just like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to have to get any attention for this. I don't want to be in the news. Uh, and she doesn't maybe doesn't want the 83 million bucks either. Yeah. But I mean, here's one of those things. Uh, if she were to go to law to, to a lawsuit of some sort, uh, would the news media be interested in her in the same way they were interested in E. Jean Carroll? And I think the yeah. answer is clearly they would not. Yeah. Now, then there was the guy. This is interesting. The guy who worked for the IRS. He leaked Donald Trump's taxes to the media and the media had a lot of fun with those uh, numbers. Well, he was sentenced to five years in prison yesterday, I believe, or the day before. Seems like a pretty big deal. It would have been yesterday. Seems like a pretty big deal. Got zero mention on either CBS or ABC. The story was not mentioned. An IRS guy, five years in prison for releasing people's tax information. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's a classic case of the journalism of omission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh the news organizations just don't want to put anything out there that would show that somebody got punished for doing a you know a, a dirty deed to Trump there. But it does show though that the IRS has been weaponized. Uh, we know it was weaponized back in the Obama administration mm-hmm. uh, with Lois Lerner and other people. Uh, but the fact that uh, you know you've got an establishment uh, at the IRS uh, behaving badly should be news. Uh, and the fact that it's an or, or that it's ignored by major news organizations is really shameful at a certain point. Then there's the Taylor Swift uh, phenomenon uh, on something a little less serious, um, or maybe it is serious. What do you make of that? And and, and, and and the theory that has been going around that it's all fake and the Democrats are doing it to build her up so she can endorse Biden later on down the road. Well, I don't I, Personally, I don't know if it's all that calculated, to tell you the truth, although I'm sure the Democrats will try to make hay as much as they can about the fact, you know, that Taylor Swift is uh, on the left side of probably most issues. Um, Not not that she's going to call me for advice, by the way, but I would think that if anything, she should just keep singing and dancing, having concerts if she wants to date Travis Kelsey, you know, fine. Uh, But I don't know that there's any upside necessarily for her to get into politics. But I must say, the media has really gone overboard with this. And, you know, I, I like to watch football. I know you do, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when there's a touchdown, I'm not interested in a, lo- a, a long video shot into the press box where people are jumping around celebrating with Taylor's, Taylor Swift. You know, show me a replay of the play or show me who made the block to get the guy open or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it really has gone off the deep end, which is too bad. I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of amusing, and it's not changing the course of history or anything. But, uh, you know, I mean, people need to keep in mind, uh, maybe I'm all wet on this, but I, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that uh, Kelsey and Taylor Swift will break up in three weeks anyway. And so, like, why are we wringing our hands yeah. so much about all this stuff? Yeah, and uh, I'm out of time here, but um, it's also um, what I found interesting is so many people, football fans, blame Taylor Swift if you know anything about TV, you know that there's a director sitting at the game saying, take two. That's the camera oh. that's on Taylor Swift. He can go the whole game without saying that, and nobody's going to you know, nobody's gonna care. But it's not, so yeah, don't blame a, Taylor Swift. It's a producer's medium, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, Jeff, as usual, always good to have you on. There's always something every couple of weeks to uh, poke your brain about. I'm glad we had you on again. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Okay, that is Jeff McCall. We'll be right back. So I've been uh, thinking about Tara Reid a lot lately, not not because somebody brought her up, but because she hasn't been brought up enough, if at all. Uh, Democrats have been all over the media, as I'm sure you've seen, celebrating E. Jean Carroll's $83 million win over Donald Trump. But nobody ever seems to think to uh, ask them a simple question uh, like this. You believe E. Jean? Do you believe Tara Reid? That seems like a pretty simple question. I think Tara's story needs to be told. She told it here a few years ago, and it was uh, we had her on. Actually, it was pretty long time ago, but it's still it's still very pertinent. We had her on right after the election when uh, Joe Biden had supposedly beaten Donald Trump. Well, unless the Trump team wins some big battles in court, Joe Biden will be president of the United States in a little over two months, and his vice president will be a woman who said she believes the women who have accused Joe of sexual harassment and or assault. One of those women is Tara Reid. She joins us now. Tara, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So you you accused the guy who's probably going to be president of the United States of, of sexually assaulting you, and his vice president, as I just said, said that she believes all the women who have come forward about him, uh, and that would include you. So what goes through your mind when you see Joe Biden being referred to as president-elect the last couple of days, last week or so? Um, it's excruciating. Um, and uh, for those listeners who, who don't know who I am, um, I used to work for Joe Biden. I was a staffer for him, and I was uh, sexually harassed and sexually assaulted in 1993. Uh, I came forward with the sexual harassment claim in writing in 1993. I was too frightened about coming forward to the, about the sexual assault at the time, and I lost my job and my career. I then came forward in 2019 and in 2020, and if your listeners want, they can probably see more details of my interview with Megyn Kelly, um, and I wrote a book called Left Out When the Truth Does Not Fit In. So you can find that on Amazon.com. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the... Go ahead. Um, and, you know, basically it's, it's hypocrisy. Um, you know, uh, like Nietzsche said, will to power, right? So mm-hmm. Kamala Harris sees an opportunity for power and she's seizing it. Um, will she call uh, Joe Biden out like she did Brett Kavanaugh? Time will tell. No, no she won't. <clears throat> I can answer that for you. Uh, you have a book coming out, as you said. It's called Left Out When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. Where did the truth not fit in? Which truth are we talking about here? <clears throat> Well, you know, it was a double entendre, play, play on words they're left out, because I was, you know, um, for all my life a Democrat, and the mm-hmm. left basically left, you know, pushed me aside, marginalized me, smeared me. So I, I, my story was either silenced or smeared, so it was very difficult for me to get my history regarding Joe Biden forward, and still is today. It's, it's very suppressed. Um, and the other seven other women. Um, and, you know, in mainstream media, you'll see these articles, you know, whitewashing Joe Biden's history, and he has a history of sexual misconduct, and he's getting away with it, and he'll become president, and it's hard to watch. Yeah, so when you're talking about the left, you're talking about there, the, the double meaning there is the left, the liberal left, the left, left-leaning left media. Is that who you're talking about? Correct. 
And, you yeah. know, I want to, the caveat to that is that I've gotten a lot of progressives who have supported me um, mm-hmm. vocally and, um, and Republicans. Where I'm not getting support is, of course, with the elite Democrats, which is the, the centrist, if you will, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who are, are very much circling the wagons around Joe Biden. Of course, yeah. Uh, now, uh, <clears throat> the book is about what happened after you came forward with this. Uh, what's it been like for you? First of all, what was, what was the, the immediate reaction and then how it seemed to develop as it went along? Well, the immediate reaction was that I was a Russian agent. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And I, I grew up in Wisconsin on a farm, and uh, I don't have any connections to Russia. So that was mm-hmm. odd. I was writing a novel about it, but, but that was interesting. Um, so that happened um, by uh, Edric Isaac Dovier pushed that forward out of the Atlantic. So once that kind of buzz kind of went, then they started class shaming me because I was working class, you know, poor. I've not been a wealthy person. Um, so these, uh, you know, so the Democratic Party, who's supposed to hold up the working class, actually weaponized it against me, making me, you know, printing my bankruptcy you know, harassing me. Democratic trolls would um, harass, threaten me. I've had my life threatened, my pet's life threatened, my daughter was threatened. Um, I've lost work. I lost my housing. I lost everything coming forward, basically. Wait, so uh, first let's go, you say threatened. Threatened how and specifically by whom? Um, I was threatened after the Russian agent thing came through. Like someone called me in the middle of the night that they knew where I lived and they were coming to kill me because I was a traitor, things like that. Um, my daughter was threatened um, that she better, you know, she better keep me quiet. Um, she was, you know, given late night phone calls and taunted and, and harassed. Um, I, of course, on social media, you can just look up my name and you'll see all the trolling and the names that I'm called. Some of them are yeah. too vulgar for your listeners, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty constant um, barrage since um, April 2019. And um, are you pursuing uh, finding these people? Or are they all anonymous? And uh, you know, you, have you have you tried any? Uh, have you tried to trace who some no, of these people I, I, are? No, I think the Democratic. I think they're not anonymous at all. They're they're actors that continually, um, you know, uh, do this sort of thing. Like Sally Albright, for instance, is out of Delaware. She owns a company that has troll farms. Who her client is, I don't know. That's up to an investigator to find out. Um, but these are these are American troll farm types, um, and you know it'd be interesting. I'm not an investigator, but as someone who is, to look up and trace and see is the Democratic um, National Committee funding these kinds of attacks on civilians? Um, are they doing this to Republicans as well? Are they doing this? You know, is this happening to more than just me? And the answer to that is, I you know I already kind of know the answer because um, I've talked to other people who have been attacked who have views that are different than the centrist views. Um, yeah, you know, and, uh, yeah. We're talking to Tara Reid, and she's uh, written a book called Left Out, When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. She uh, claims to have been sexually assaulted by uh, Joe Biden back in 1993 when she worked on his staff. Um, uh, Tara, I, when I – you go on Google and just and Google your name and Joe Biden. Um, it's amazing how many stories come up uh, – the headlines for which seem to be people shooting down your story. They don't believe they're, they're, they've, they're trying to pick it apart. Um, and is that something you saw develop slowly or did it, I mean, how long did it take before 
the media really turned on you and tried to uh, destroy your story and, and, and pick, this, pick it apart? It was almost immediate. And, um, you know, I didn't have a, a PR person or a lawyer at the time and um, was very, you know, vulnerable and naive, thinking if I just came forward with the truth, that the truth would come to the surface. And that's, you know, I think we all are kind of getting more and more aware of the media, the mainstream media, how it's a machine and it's a public relations machine and the people with the money really get the message across most of the time. Um, you know, and I tried to say, like, look, you don't have to smear me to vote for Joe Biden. I have family and friends that are voting for him. I have people voting for Trump. I have people voting for Biden, people voting Green. I mean, I, I had, um, it. you know, the importance was not whether they believed me or not, but it didn't seem to matter. The narrative was to either smear me or to silence me. And one of the smears was just feeding into that rape culture, just feeding into this old narrative. Oh, oh, she's crazy. Oh, she made it up. Oh, she wants attention. Well, I can tell you right now, no one would want the kind of attention I've received. I mean, and the losses that I've incurred coming forward. There just simply isn't that incentive. However, I would say that there is a sense of freedom when you do because I'm not keeping a secret about a powerful man anymore. The truth will set um, you free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, how, how should women... Uh, first of all, I want to ask you this. Um, I'm just wondering, because uh, this was before you uh, came out with your story, but as um, what were you thinking when you were watching uh, or paying whatever amount of attention you paid to Brett Kavanaugh's hearings? What was going through your mind at that time? Well, I were you believing it? Very, um, I what I I support survivors, and and mm-hmm. it's so it's so difficult <laughs> to come forward. And what I saw mm-hmm. um, was an attempt for that that to come forward, right? But I saw a lot of galvanizing around around Dr. Ford. Um, in fact, she was Person of the Year by Time Magazine. Kamala Harris went very aggressively towards towards Kavanaugh and everything, but it was a very important position. You could understand. Right. Um, all of that was absent during my my coming forward. And in fact, um, Feinstein came out against me. Some of the people that I supported in my past and worked for um, in some capacity or volunteered or believed in basically just threw me under the bus and you know, so they believed Joe Biden without even talking to me. And it, so was, you think- it was, yeah, it was personal. It was really, it was really horrendous. Do, do you think that the uh, media might have treated you a little bit differently if you had been accusing uh, a Republican, Mike Pence, for example? Exactly. I, I mentioned that when, if you watched the, the Democratic Convention, um, mm-hmm. I talked about the hypocrisy that because the person I was accusing had a D or a blue check after his name, I, I was dismissed. Um, you know, because Joe Biden is Joe Biden, I, I was completely marginalized. Even though, even though among certain circles, it is an open secret about who Joe, Joe Biden is and how misogynistic he is. It is known. And, um, yeah. but there has been this circling of the wagons and this weaponization of fear this election, election cycle and fear of Trump rather than who is our candidate or policies coming forth. Yeah, now 60 Minutes Australia did a long interview with you, which I saw some of. But uh, 
it, you didn't for some reason CBS uh, USA didn't show any didn't didn't run the interview didn't seem to show any interest in having your interview shown in America. Were you a little bit? Uh, what was it, what, what what were your what was your reaction to that? I mean, you're being interviewed in Australia, where a lot of people don't know who Joe Biden is until he becomes president. Exactly. I, I found it ironic and also, again, furthering that that whole um, narrative about the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party. And I think Rose McGowan, who's been a big supporter of mine, put it best. She said it's, that America has become like a cult. I mean, look, it, it, it's ridiculous that I was not only just smeared, but also just they, they think by being silent, it just goes away. Well, it's not going to go away. I'm still going to speak out. The tactics to threaten and harass me didn't work, and they won't work. Um, what's shocking to me is that CBS, yeah, that they didn't cover it, that there's no balanced journalism, that somehow now it's just become they're not even apologetic or even shying away from it. They're just blatantly partisan. And, it's, I, and again, I'm speaking as a former Democrat. It's shocking, and it's not healthy for our country to have propaganda spoon-fed to them. We need real journalism. We need balance. And part of that balance is having hard conversations like the one I brought up. And on the, uh, on the 60 Minutes interview in Australia, when they asked you about Joe Biden, you said he was a, a, a politically, I think it was the question, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, yes, definitely. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing because he hides behind the mantle of Me Too. Right. And so does the Democratic Party. Like here, we're, we're uplifting women. But but his personal behavior is not reflective of that. I, I am directly experienced him up close and personal. And I can tell you he's misogynistic. He's he is a predator. And it's ridiculous that he's being held up as some sort of hero for women. That's not how I experienced him. And several of the uh, other, uh, or several of the seven other women who have said that they were touched inappropriately by uh, Biden told the New York Times that based on their experience, they believe you because they've ex- they experienced yeah. uh, some of what you did. Yes. Now remember, I experienced Joe Biden when he was in his fifties. He was very young, vital, strong at the height of his power in the Senate. Mm-hmm. I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. so it was a very okay. different power dynamic. He's, he, right now, he's kind of portrayed as, as frail and grandfatherly and harmless. And, you know, what he did to me was not harmless. It, it destroyed my life. And now, coming forward, it, it's the third time. It, it's, he still has used his power and influence to try to silence me and hurt my life and my family. Now, um, in your book, uh and the the name of the book is left out when the truth doesn't fit in. We're talking to the author Tara Reed. In your book, you give women advice uh, for how to handle this when if something similar happens to them. Um, I, I do a bit, but I, I I kind of feel like I was in this unique kind of point in history. I don't know, like you know, coming forward about a powerful person is very difficult. But Rose McGowan kind of told me, like, look, you're going to expect have this happen, you're going to have this happen, and all the things she predicted happened, ha- did, because who was behind it was Anita Dunn, and Anita Dunn um, is a, for those who don't know, was one of the founders of Time's Up, um, but also worked for Harvey Weinstein and smeared some of the survivors, and 
has has been working for Joe Biden's campaign. And in fact, their campaign has paid her firm $2.2 million to date. And her job is to make stories like me go away. That's her sole job. So, well, you're not you're not going away. Uh, I'm out of time here, Tar. But uh, good luck with the book. It comes out soon. It's uh, left out when the truth doesn't fit in. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about the guy who looks like he's going to be the next president of the United States. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you can find it at Amazon.com right now in ebook. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. That's Tar Reed. The book again. Left out when the truth doesn't fit in. Well, I hate to do this, but I'm I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift. Uh, and I, I just can't. I have. I just. That's just something that occurred to me today. Um, it has nothing to do with this whole fake romance thing and all that, which I'm not really ready to buy into completely. But I got to thinking uh, that this is something that uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say women, as if it's all women should be concerned about it, but it should be something that should concern somebody if it's true that Taylor Swift has this uh, appeal to so many people, and it's such a strong appeal, then there should be lots of women out there wondering what's wrong with them. Here's what I mean. I keep hearing, and I see it on Twitter, uh, uh, where people will say, my wife doesn't care about football, my daughter doesn't care about football, but they've been watching Chiefs games because of Taylor Swift. Okay. So here's here's my question that's that's been kicking around in my head. What is how vapid are you if you can sit in front of a TV for 3 hours and watch something that you have absolutely no interest in for the sole purpose of maybe seeing Taylor Swift for like Four seconds at a time. How many times in the entire game? Ten? Five? I don't know. Women, if that, if, if there are millions of women in the United States who are actually doing that, I hope they're not. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of hearing that there are. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that it's true, but I'm hearing it a lot. If there are women out there who are willing to sit in front of a TV and watch football, which they have no interest in, only because... They want to see Taylor Swift for five seconds. I don't know. Women, come on, ladies. You got to do better. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.